Residence by L.C. Owen, narrated by Paul Cope, Episode 3. Her silken hair was all spread out like a fan above her head as she lay on her pillow. Her lips were turned up into a smile. Her breath had become so heavy like she never could get enough air. Her warm body was curled up in her blankets, feeling the comfort of rest. I knew she was really asleep. She needed it. I put my palm on her head. I love you, I whispered. She trembled, pulling the covers up over her shoulder. I knew my touch could only bring her a chill of a lost soul. I didn't want to trouble her with that. My feet shoveled across her bedroom. I sat in the armchair opposite of her, watching her chest rise and fall. Her breath shone in the air with a cloud that puffed out of her mouth. It really was cold, I thought. I could tell the day had worn on her. She was so tired. Her body rolled beneath the covers, trying to find just the right position. There was an energy filling the room that was depressing and uncomfortable. Soon a darkness was present that was unlike the darkness of the night. It was heavy with the emotion of sadness and grief. It was ice cold and lacked even an ounce of remorse. The large shadow of darkness extended upward, head and shoulders over me. It had broad shoulders and black wings that spread out far and wide. The entity was faceless, bearing a resemblance to nothing and carrying the demeanor of finality. Even in my ghostly state, I shuddered at its presence. Who are you? I demanded. You know who I am, Mike, it said. I thought for a moment. Perhaps it was Christine's dead husband. Maybe he had turned into something else on the other side and he was coming to claim her. Why haven't you been watching over her? I asked. Watching over isn't my job, it said. Maybe not, but I've been here all along watching her grieve and try to make things work. Her physical body is so tired and stressed. Why couldn't you just stay and watch over her? Why am I here doing this? I asked. She doesn't love you, Mike, and she never will, it said. My heart fell at the harsh words it spoke. I knew she never would be able to love me the way I loved her, yet I still longed for her touch. If it were at all possible for me to be physical again, I would have loved to caress her skin. I was being tortured, slowly decaying in my own mind. I had finally found a woman that encompassed everything that Beverly wasn't. Christine would have appreciated me. I could have taken her if only given a real chance. You shouldn't have taken your own life, it said. Who are you, I asked. This time the shadow moved closer to her sleeping body. The sound of her heartbeat echoed in the room. Beads of sweat were permeating from her brow, although her breath was still visible in the chilled air. She's sick, you know. She's so sick and nobody to look after her. It's a shame, it said. I'm going to ask you again once and for all, who are you? The air grew stale as if nothing and everything were occurring at the same time. The darkness loomed over us like the dark cloud of an angry storm. The entity only laughed at me. I'm the angel of death. It suddenly occurred to me why it was there. Christine was ill beyond repair. It wanted her. I couldn't let death take her, not this way. Not with a boy already grieving the loss of his own father. You can't have her, I announced. Feeling brave, are we? What makes you think I answer to you? I, I don't, but surely there's something I can do. You've already taken the boy's father, I said. Is that so? 
what makes you the authority on these things? Just because you took your own life doesn't mean you get to tell me who lives and dies. I shouldn't have killed myself, but I can't take that back now. Just make her well, heal her, let her live, I said. I don't heal. Healing is not my job, it snickered. I could feel the intensity of my anger welling up. How unfair death was. It had no empathy for life situations. It was stoic and cold, taking whatever it pleased. I hated death, not just because of what it did to me, but for leaving young children orphaned and innocent women widowed. I prepared to fight for her. You're no match for me, Mike, it said. We could hear the sound of footsteps coming from the hallway. A beam of light shone through the crack beneath the door. I couldn't let the boy find his mother this way. Go back to bed, Kevin, I shouted. The footsteps only lingered, drawing closer and closer to Christine's door. My insides turned, seeing that the doorknob was twisting the door open. When through the door, it was not the body of a young boy, but rather a tall man. He had sandy blonde hair, blue eyes, and a strong physique. He was the kind of man who always stole the women away from me when I was alive. His clunky boots hit against the floor as we walked toward a sleeping Christine. Stop, leave her alone, I shouted. It was no use. He couldn't hear me. Death only laughed in my face. Oh, Mike, you really are hopeless, aren't you? The man loomed over her sleeping body as he planted a kiss on her sweaty brow. Her eyes fluttered open, startled by the appearance of him. Jimmy, she exclaimed. Her eyes were wide open as she flicked on the bedside lamp. He looked back at her with the warmth of his love. It's me. It's me, baby, he said. Her eyes cried as she peered at him through her tears. She was smiling yet crying, her arms wrapped about his neck. He slipped his large hands around her waist. The questions tossed about in my mind. Who was he? Why was he here? Why he skulked into her home in the middle of the night? Who is that? I asked. Death snickered at me. It's her husband, it said. Her husband? She can see him? Is she dreaming? All humans are dreaming, it said. Why hasn't he been watching over her? Why is it me? I demanded. Death was quiet, only observing the interaction between them. Jimmy placed his large palms on her arms, rubbing them up and down. It was apparent he was warming her in the chilled air. You need to turn the heater on. It's freezing in here, he said. Jimmy, where have you been? Where did you go? Kevin and I have been waiting, wondering if you'd ever come back, she said. I'm sorry, I just got lost, he said. I stared at him, perplexed by the interaction. I would have done almost anything to hold her in my arms and have her see me. It didn't work that way, though, at least not for me. I was angry at him. How could he leave her like that? He's alive, isn't he? I asked Death. Yes, he is. Take him. Take him instead of her. He deserves it. How dare he leave her alone to fend for herself when he could have been here, I said. Like you could have been here for Beverly, it retorted. The twinge of remorse festered inside of me. It was right. I had left her to fend for herself. I should have known my leaving the world would have strapped her financially and emotionally. Even though Bev had said she was leaving me, I knew she didn't mean it. On some level, I could feel the desperation in her words when she spoke to me. It wasn't about the hardwood floor or the vase she had broken. It was about my presence. It was about me showing up and making her feel like she did when she, we first met. 
I remember when she found my cold, dead body. Her crying eyes were large and swollen with grief. She had held me until the police showed up. Why, Mike, why have you done this, she cried. Her fingers wrapped around my hardened arm as they tried to move me into the body bag. Don't cover him up. He can't breathe like that, she cried. I remember watching her sulk around our empty house. She would shout at me and ask me why I left her. Some day she would even apologize. She would say she was sorry for all the times she threw something at my head and that she knew it wasn't my fault. She just wanted me back. She would have done anything. As I watched Christine and Jimmy embrace on the bed, it was apparent that they had a connection that withstood the test of time. In that moment, it didn't matter how much she had troubled over trying to buy the perfect home with a sparkling swimming pool or dealt with Kevin's tantrums over his homework. It only mattered that they had found one another again. He had said he was lost, but lost where? Had he been physically lost or lost in the abyss of his emotions, unable to sort out the troubles of his grievous life? Why did you leave us, she cried into his shoulder. I'm sorry, I'll never leave you again, he said. With the warmth of their bodies together, the chill in the air began to warm with the intimacy of their love. It was then I realized I really didn't love her. She just represented everything I thought I didn't have in life. It was suddenly apparent why it was this house she wanted. I thought I could save her, but really, she was saving me. Please don't take her, I pleaded with death. I'm not here for her, it said. Who then, I asked. Death turned to me. The darkness filled every ounce of my being. But I'm a ghost. I'm already dead, I reasoned. It's time to go, Mike, it said. I could feel my essence floating above the room. I could observe Christine in bed with her husband. My new floor shimmered with the gleam of my hard work. The light fixtures, doorknobs, and painted walls stood in all their glory. My swimming pool was pristine. It's just a house. These are just things, I thought, and I left it all behind. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our channel. For more information on sci-fi fantasy authors, short stories, and novels, please visit our website, lcoenbooks.com. LC Owen Books, where thoughts become worlds.